Welcome to the Watershed Teaching Podcast. Watershed is the high school ministry of Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Perimeter Church is part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Watershed is a place where we hope high school students would connect, receive, and transform. We want to see students connect with God and others through healthy community, receive His truth through gospel-centered, grace-based teaching, and be transformed by the gospel to then go transform their world. Thank you for downloading this podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.perimeter.org slash watershed. For those who don't know me, I am Kate Rhodes. Um, I oversee discipleship here at Watershed, and I'm so excited to talk to you tonight, um, specifically because I'm talking about two of my favorite things, which are Christmas and serving. So I want us to do two things. I want us to try to have fresh ears and hear the Christmas story as if you're hearing it for the first time. And I want us to think about, you know, at Christmas time, we tend to serve more often. And nonprofits are soliciting us for year-end giving, and um, you see Salvation Army around trying to collect money. Tonight, we're going to pack shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. And I want to look at the story, and I want to see why are these things correlated? I think a lot of times um, here in America, we tend to just serve to check something off the box in order to get more money on our tax return, things like that. But I want us to look at what Jesus is calling us to do because of Christmas to serve others. And how we as Christians, it is imperative that we are thinking about others, loving and serving others, especially those who are oppressed and those who are different than us. And we're going to see what the Christmas story has to say about this. Um, so tonight, I'm actually going to read uh, an adaption of Luke 1 and 2 from the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, so it's a little bit of a different version, but I want you to listen. And I want you to remember that this is a real true story. This happened in real time to real people thousands of years ago. So I want, to use your, I want you to use your imagination and try to put yourself in this scene. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like and what would he do? Mountains would have bowed down, seas would have roared, trees would have clapped their hands, but the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in, and when no one was looking, in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great-great-great-great-grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, 
And he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is, is anything too wonderful God for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full. Every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any room for you. So where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable, so they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feed trough as his cradle. And they gazed in the wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus. Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us because, of course, he had. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you just for the incredibleness of this story. We thank you that you humbled yourself in order to be with us, in order to save us. And God, we just ask that you would speak to us tonight. We pray that we would see this story with new and fresh eyes. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So before I lived in Atlanta, um, I lived in New York City. And my first job there, I worked at a place called the Bowery Mission Women's Center. And this was a home for women in crisis. So women would come to live here for six to nine months who were struggling with um, various things, drug addictions, coming out of abusive homes, um, formerly incarcerated. Some of them were refugees. And I was in my early 20s. I had just moved to New York from North Carolina, and I was thrown into this home. I lived and I worked there. And it was more challenging than I expected it to be, um, to say the least. And I only lasted about seven months in that job before I moved on to a new one. But when I was there, I got to know the women and got to hear their stories. And I began to feel frightened because I identified with them a little more than I expected to. I had come here to, to help and 
to serve these women. And yet, I found myself just the same as them. And one night, I was talking to one of the women. I had to work some odd hours on a weekend. And they would come into my office. And this one woman in particular, she was from Florida. And she had left two, women, two children at home. She had been in jail before. She had battled drug addictions. And she sat there with me and she said, Kate, you know why we like you? She was talking about the other women. They liked me more than some of the other staff. She said, we like you because you're just like one of us. And I kind of panicked, simultaneously panicked, and was like, no, I'm not like you. You know, I've got my stuff together. And then also thought, you're right. And it was very encouraging, you know, that she would be able to feel safe with me. And it hit me because I struggled so much being in that home and um, left just the comfortable life in North Carolina. And it dawned on me, if I felt that uncomfortable being in this new scenario, in this place with people that I didn't understand, how much more Jesus must have felt when he came to earth. I mean, that was just a tiny glimpse into what Jesus did to, in order to be with us. Because these women, they would ask me, they'd be like, Kate, why would you be here? Why would you come? And in my brokenness, and a lot of it was just me wanting to feel good about myself, and I didn't tell them my true sinful heart, which was, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm, this is too hard. But my motive was to serve them and to love them and to help them um, get to a better place. And how much more Jesus entered into our lives in order to heal us, in order to save us. Um, and so this story, the Christmas story, is, is showing us two huge things. One, that we're not alone. No matter how alone you feel, and I know that oftentimes you probably feel pretty alone. You're not. Jesus is with you and he is for you. And two, that Jesus came to serve. He did not come here to be served. He came here to serve. And if we are Christians and if we are Christ followers, then we are supposed to serve too. And so what does that mean for us? So Jesus came so he wouldn't be alone. The Old Testament, it gave us a lot of foreshadowing of Jesus. A lot of precursors to his coming. And in Isaiah it said, um, it said, a son will come to save the world, and he will be named Emmanuel, God with us. So the people of Israel, the people, um, God's people, they were waiting many, many, many years. That's why in the story I just told, um, she made reference to Jesus being the great, 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 great grandson of King David. Um, so they had been waiting a long time for a Savior to come. And they must have felt pretty alone, wondering, God, when are you going to send us our Savior? When are you going to send us the one who will bring an end to our suffering, an end to our sin, an end to our pain? And another key point to why um, Sally Lloyd-Jones, she's the one that wrote the Jesus Storybook Bible, that she would include that, that tiny reference about King David, is that all of those greats, all of those family members, they were pretty messed up. That brought Jesus into the world. There was adultery in that family line. There was prostitution in that family line. There was barrenness. 
There was all kinds of stuff. There was death. There was famine. There was sadness. There was brokenness. And in that is the lineage that God chose to bring his Savior into the world. So that alone will tell you that you're not alone. That if you feel like your story is, is too broken or you have too much baggage in your life, it's not irredeemable. Because God brought the Savior of the world in through that lineage. And that tells you that you're not alone. Ann Voskamp says, and she wrote a book on Advent. She says, rejected at the end, at the end, sorry, holy God comes in small to where you feel rejected and small. God is with you now, wherever you are, in a soundless cry or hidden brokenness or in your ache, God always wants to be with you. You are not ever left alone in this. We are never left alone in this. God is with us. So whatever feels chaotic in your world and whatever feels chaotic in the world as a whole, God has still got it. And it is not beyond his redemptive plan. He is with you. And next, Jesus came to serve. So we see, and I think, you know, we tend to over-sentimentalize the Christmas story and we have nativity scenes, which I love. But that was messy. And that was a strange way for Jesus to come into the world. And it shows us his intentionality. God chose for him to be born in a manger. And that right there is a picture of him entering into our suffering. He decided to enter in with cows and with donkeys and hay. So he understands the lowliest of the low. When you think about God's kingdom coming, what would you imagine? You would imagine a palace. You would imagine crowns and royalty and lots of wealth. And yet he chose a manger. He was stripped of all of his comforts just so that he could be with us and that he could suffer with us. I want that to sink in and I want you to know how that means that shows you how much he loves you, that he would choose to do that. I also want it to challenge you when you think about following Jesus, because there's a lot of implications with that. We'll see later in the New Testament, and the disciples are following Jesus, asking him lots of questions. And they're like, Jesus, what can we do to follow you? And he says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. So following Jesus, oftentimes it, it, it means suffering. Because this, his kingdom is not of this world. It is a heavenly kingdom. And that's what he's inviting us into. Um, one of my favorite Christmas songs um, is Mary Did You Know? And she says in this song, I'm going to read some of the lyrics, just, just the beauty of what Jesus came to do to serve others. It says, Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hands? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again, the lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the lamb. So just this idea that 
this baby boy who was in this manger, all of the things that he would do on his time in, in his time on earth, but also past that as the savior of the world to bring healing, to bring sight to blind men, but ultimately to bring healing and sight to our souls. Jesus was sitting at the right hand of God when he decided to come in and serve us. And therefore, because he has done this for us, this means as Christians, we are called to go out and serve. I would argue that if your heart does not break for others, particularly those who are different from you, those who are oppressed, if you don't have a desire to love and serve others, then you have not encountered this Jesus who is in this manger. Because that is what he's about. So I would just, when you're looking at this story, just question, do I love and serve other people? Is that a desire of mine? Um, Because if you grasp what he did for you, you won't be able to help but serve others. So that might simply mean loving the students at your school that annoy you. It might mean being kind to your brothers and sisters when you don't want to be. It might mean breaking out of your clique. It might mean giving up your time and your money to serve this Christmas and throughout the year. Um, There are plenty of places to do that. And it might mean tonight going to pack boxes for Operation Christmas Child. But our hearts as Christians should break for those who are hurting. Our hearts should break for those who are suffering because God's heart breaks for those who are suffering. So we don't want to serve on Christmas to check something off our list of items to do. We want to serve because we are Christians, and that is what we are created to do. We serve because God served us, and we love because God first loved us. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that is the Jesus, that is the baby that came on Christmas morning. He is the God of the universe. And he humbled himself to the form of a baby in a manger. That's huge, y'all. And if anyone should consider equality with God something to be grasped, it would be Jesus. And yet he didn't. And therefore, we ought to humble ourselves in the same manner. I'm going to close with this quote by Paul Tripp, who wrote a book on Advent. Um, And then the band's going to come up and play a song. But just quiet your minds as I read this and try to absorb this truth. Not just tonight, but as we wait for Christmas to come. Like Tegan said, we still have a few weeks, but I love that. I love that all throughout the month of December, 
we can be meditating on the truth of the gospel, and we can be waiting and longing. And one final thing I'll say is that if you're waiting for something tonight, I don't know what that is, whether that be um, for a school you want to get into, reconciliation with a friend, um, peace at your home, in your home, whatever you're waiting for, this story shows us that your waiting is not in vain. God promised us his son, and he came. And that gives us hope. God would take on human flesh and invade his sin-broken world with his wisdom, power, glory, and grace. But he wouldn't descend to a palace. Instead, the Lord Almighty, the Creator, the Sovereign King over all things, would humble himself and take on the form of a servant. He would live on our behalf the life we could have never lived. He would willingly die the death that you and I deserve to die, and he would rise from his tomb as the conqueror of sin and death. He would suffer every single day of his life so that he could, with his life, give grace to rebels, extend love to those who would deny his existence, impart wisdom to those who think they know better, and extend forgiveness to everyone who seeks him. His coming stands as an affirmation that he will not relent. He will not be satisfied until sin and suffering are no more, and we are like them, dwelling with him in unity, peace, and harmony forever and ever. Okay, let's pray. God, um, we just thank you. We thank you for Christmas. We thank you that we can wait with hope knowing that you promised us your son and he came. And he not only came, but he conquered death. And because of that, now we have life and we have hope. And I just pray that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, Lord. I pray that we would long to serve your people the way that you long to serve us and you came to do. So change our hearts, Lord. Help us to long after what you long after. We love you. We ask this in your son's name. Amen.